Welcome to Witch Witch Podcast. This is Sage. And I'm Galena. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the darkness. darkness. Today well, our episode's going to be a little different because we're not going to have Lyra with us. Uh, Lyra has strep throat, so everybody send her some good vibes. Hopefully she gets better soon and gets off steroids. Now, we are going to have a couple different segments today. Um, Nettle has brought us a fantastic book report, which we can all listen to, and I'm going to be covering The Witch's Rosary, and we also have a segment from Lyra, which one of us is going to try to do our best impression of Lyra. I'm going to attempt it. Yes. So, stick around for fun. For fun? For fun. For fun! Stick around for that fun. So much fun. All the fun you can handle. So much, it might be illegal. Too much. Too much. Too much fun. All the fun. But yeah, stick around and we'll come back at you with that. This is Sage, and I have something that I'm going to read in place of Lyra. Uh, it is basically just an overview of a creature named Menangle. Um, let me find the pronunciation of that again. It's Ma- Mana. Nangle. Man and angle. Man and angle. <laughs> Banana and angle. Um, but to start off, uh, she's put, hey, this is Lyra, but not really. This is one of my all time favorite myths, and in general, because it's just a fun gal to know. She's called Man and Angle in the Philippines, Penangle in Malaysia, and Karsui in Thailand or something of that nature. Um, There's a similar culture called Aswang, and we'll not be addressing, or we will not be addressing because it has too many different interpretations. And if my understanding is correct, seems to be more a classification for evil creatures than a creature in particular. Uh, She is a type of witch or demon uh, in particular, I'm sorry, the popular version today comes from uh, changes made by the Spanish Catholic Church. Uh, The root for her name is Tangle, uh, which is separated in Tagalong, Uh, but more on that in a moment. Uh, She is similar to a vampire in that that she drinks blood and is also known to steal and eat organs from weak humans like a very like the very young, the very old, or the very sick. So I'm at risk at the moment. <laughs> uh, but her favorite meal is said to be the hearts of the unborn children, which she uses her extremely long tongue to suck out the child still in its mother's womb as the mother sleeps. That's terrifying. Like, okay. So... Do you think she goes in through the vag or through the belly button? Like, which is faster? I would think the vag so she could get the afterbirth, too. Yeah, yeah, but how gentle she must be not to wake up the mother. That's a very gentle tongue. That's a very gentle tongue. (laughs) Sorry. Gross. (laughs) Um, There are stories that say a human becomes a menangle... Uh, because inside of them lives a solid black bird that is eating them from the inside, which causes constant desperate hunger. 
It is also said that a human can become one by drinking their blood. I like, guess a Menangle's blood. A Menangle's blood, so not your own blood. I wouldn't think so. Okay. And some others say the crime of cannibalism can turn you as well, uh, which is something we see in a lot of a lot of these kinds of myths. Uh, during the day, she appears as a beautiful young woman, uh, but at night she hides somewhere safe and out of sight of to transform. She twists into a nightmarish creature hardly resembling a human, grows large, powerful, bat-like wings. Her tongue lengths, lengthens until it can no longer fit in her mouth. <laughs> so she just and dangles. <laughs> dangles in the air as she flies. I was right! (laughs) Her teeth sharpen into fangs and she grows claws from her hands. Yes. But most importantly, she rips the top half of her body from the lower to keep it safe while she hunts. Wait, what? (laughs) So does she like just separate and she's just like flying arms? That's terrifying. I'm thinking she's just like the top half of her body and the lower half of her body. She's just hanging out somewhere twitching. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just gonna God. stuff my legs and ass in a cave. <laughs> I'm gonna go out hunting as just this venomous torso it just, with a tongue that's now longer than I am. <laughs> it just seems less safe somewhere. Like, just somewhere else. I know, just keep it with you. <laughs> Um, where was I? Uh, but most importantly, blah, 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 she flies around dripping blood and dangling intestines. Oh! Oh my god! Uh, to defeat her, you can pour salt, holy water, vinegar, or ash onto her lower half. This prevents her from reconnecting, and once the sun rises, if she is not whole, she dies. Uh, you can also keep th- these things around the house to protect you from nightly attacks. That's cool. Yeah. So, to go over it again, that is salt, holy water, vinegar, or ash. So, if you think you've got a menangle coming around, you see, you know, bloody intestine tracks on your roof. <laughs> Time to go get some salt, holy water, and or vinegar. Or ash. Or all. Just mix them all up. <laughs> like, throw them like a bomb at her. <laughs> Uh, Just a few thoughts on how the Catholics changed her. Uh, She was always evil, but before Spanish uh, occupation, uh, she was known to separate at the neck and had no wings, uh, simply a head floating around (laughs) with a long tongue. (laughs) It's generally believed that the uh, Spanish changed this detail to try to drive home the sin of female sexuality by reducing this creature and its weaknesses to her reproductive organs. Because before the Spanish occupation, women in the Philippines were known to have sexual freedom and often wore nothing to cover their breasts. Uh, Living the dream. (laughs) That, I mean, if you got kids and they're little, why cover those suckers up when you've got one hanging off your boob all the time? (laughs) 
And, of course, religious Western culture saw this as uncivilized. Uh, this was a small look at a really interesting creature, and I hope you all dream of her tonight. I know I will. <laughs> like, I don't think it's going to be as terrifying as it was supposed to be because I laughed so hard. Now, like, I know I already said this before, but this was a really good put-together um, book report. <laughs> book report, yes. Monster report. Monster report. I like it. King approves. Um, do you think now would be a good time to bring in Nettle? Yeah. We'll go ahead and next thing you hear will be Nettle's beautiful tones talking about a book. Good luck, Nettle. <laughs> Haven't listened to it yet. Good luck, Nettle. Nettle here with another book review. Uh, today I'm going to talk about Casting a Queer Circle, Non-Binary Witchcraft by Thista Manai. And as always, if I'm mispronouncing your name, I'm so fucking sorry. Um, before I get into the book itself, I want to talk a little bit about, like, picking books to read. Because I didn't, I, we, we, someone has probably talked about this, but I don't remember. Uh, when looking at books to read for book reviews, I tend to just sort of look for books that sound interesting or sound like they answer something I'm wanting to know about or answer questions. Uh, specifically with this book, what I did was I pulled up my wish list of books that I found uh, during from the Pride podcast, um, Pride podcast, our Pride episode, uh, and was going through them and just looking at them and being like, which one do I want to read right now? And then because there's a bit of a time crunch to get the book review done, I went back through because they all sounded interesting and looked at the page links because this one, uh, which I've, I've said this before, I've got a Kindle version. Uh, this one hits, I think, a little under 200 pages. I know it's under 200. I just can't remember how much under 200. The other ones I was looking at was like 400 and more. And I was like, yeah, those are going to have to be delayed for a bit. Um, additionally, what was the, oh. <laughs> Which reading, reading witchcraft books, I sort of thought that buying Kindle versions would be good because it's, it's a little easier to like have them subtly. And it definitely works out for, like, having them around the house. It does not at all work out for reading them. Because I definitely at one point tried to read one at work when I had, like, a long lunch. And literally all the section titles are such a larger font than just the regular, like, words. That, like, if anyone walked by me, they wouldn't even have to look closely to see what the fuck I was reading. Um, but anyway, let's jump on into it. Uh, oh, fuck me. I don't remember what it's called. I think it's an epitaph, which what? No, no, maybe. Anyway, you know, those little quotes that begin at the beginning of books sometimes. Uh, this book starts with be only what you are and be all that you be all that you are, which is really sweet. Uh, the book itself is, like, super fucking comprehensive, and I don't mean that to, like, be mean. It's a lot of the books I've read, especially witchcraft books, like, they tend to be really vague, and, like, they'll hit on things, but they sort of assume you already know what they're talking about, so they don't really go into them. This book really does not assume that you, you know what you're, they're talking about at all. I love it, because uh, they go into sort of, like, a general... Not a general. They, they go into things and they go into how they sort of repurpose it or or reconsider it for queer witchcraft uh, or non-binary witchcraft, both. Uh, 
it's fantastic. Like they they jumped into a lot of things that I don't think I've seen comprehensively done before. Um, the book itself is actually mostly about coven craft, uh, both crafting the coven and and rituals involving covens. Um, which, based on the title, I would not have guessed. And to be fair, like there's certain keywords in the title that probably were supposed to jump out at me that they didn't because I just am not familiar with them. Um, I'm trying to think real quick because I want to go over a general and then I'll go through all the things I bookmarked. Uh, they do a really good, a really good job of introducing topics and really defining them well, which, uh, going into some stuff that I'm going to, I'm going to go into a little bit later or probably in a little more depth later, they really do a lot with language, which I think is really cool. Uh, in the foreword... Thista is quoted as saying, because the, the forward is by, not Thista, it's by Lee Harrington. Uh, this is quoted as saying, take what works and shape it into something that helps you get what you need, uh, which I think is fantastic. And it also, and I feel shitty for not knowing this, uh, I don't remember the book or the author, but it hits onto some stuff I read in, I've read in queer theory before. Uh, there's this one, there's this one queer theory book that I don't remember because it's been, God, about four or so years since I've read it, uh, where the person who wrote it, like, their their stance is, I'm going to use the words that work well for me, and if they don't work well for you, mark them out and mark them back in with what works for you. Uh, I think that's a really, really good approach. Like, just sort of work with what works with you and then work from there. Pull my next bookmark. Oh, I saved I saved Lee Harrington specifically as a bookmark, but then I just zoom forward to get their name. Uh, Manai themselves they they practice Wicca or they did they practiced Wicca, um, and they they discuss it a little bit further because they practice Wicca, but they also practice other other witchcraft. I don't want to say stances, uh, which witchcraft. Um, things uh over over the years uh but they practiced wicca for a while and as they were as they were going through and once again i don't know anything about wicca obviously every time i learn something about wicca i somehow managed to lose it uh, but they were going through the steps and being a priestess and we're sort of inner and, and we're weren't feeling in sync with their gender identity and then they they were introduced to to more and they sort of worked out that they they weren't strictly actually let me go back because i think i have it saved i apparently don't oh there we go uh i was on the ball for like a whole second there Oh, the way they, they described it is my sex is female, but my gender is not. And my presentation struggled to express that. Uh, I discovered that my gender is neither woman nor men, man, uh, but something else entirely. And it really, it really hit them hard how, how binary the, the Wicca practice they were, they were in was. Uh, because at first they thought that they could sort of go through the steps of becoming a priest and that would help sort of solidify 
themselves, but feeling, not feeling, being not a woman or a man, it didn't work out right because the priest-priestess dynamic didn't feel right to them. It didn't work well for them. Uh, they reached out to some other other people uh, in, in the Wicca community who 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 dealt with the same things they were to try and sort of establish what sort of things they could do to feel more in more in sync and to sort of follow the path they wanted to be on and they were pretty dissatisfied with what they found uh, a lot of the people they specifically talked to just sort of picked which one, picked priest or priestess to focus on and sort of did that which is completely fine for somebody if that works for them it just didn't work for Manai um Get back to my bookmark again. And that that's really where they start like jumping into language and like the power of language and like really just sort of like dealing with language to try and get what they needed across. Uh, they and and some other some other people in their group uh, created uh, their own coven and they called the system this well they call the system the Spectrum Gate Mysteries. Um and they they go through defining what each word means and like what what that how that matters to them specifically with the coven uh and and they really do they talk a lot about the language they use in the coven they actually talk about specifically in covens the language of covens because like not that every coven has the same language but individual covens have their own sort of like ways of doing things and their own language they use. Uh, they do encourage people to utilize any language that they use as little or as much as, as is useful to you. Uh, quoting, take what works and shape it into something that helps you get what you need. Uh, the Spectrum Gate Mysteries is founded on the idea that spirituality must be adaptable. It must be as diverse as the people that practice it. Uh, by its very nature, it must be able to change with the ceaseless march of time. Only you can bring your only you can bring yourself to the table. We want to see what you have to offer, and that's that's like a recurring theme throughout the book. Is it's not so much uh, just what this will do to you, but what you can offer to it. Uh, they talk. <laughs> sorry, I just I I cleared out one bookmark to pull out another, and then pulled up the exact same bookmark I was already looking at. Um, my next page well fuck um sorry i'm trying to find i have three pages of bookmarks and i don't know how to get to the next page um well, fuck i might just be flipping through till i find my bookmarks uh, but anyway um, where the fuck was I? Uh, it's, it's really nice just the language they use and how they talk. Uh, they do talk a lot about queer witchcraft and they talk about, a lot about, um, not getting stuck in certain ways of thinking. They do mention ableist, uh, thought processes and working against those and like reworking things. Like just because something sounds like one thing doesn't mean you can't use it another way. Um, honestly, they had a, they had a pretty, in, uh, a pretty clear description of like choosing a coven and setting up a coven, which 
honestly in a lot of a lot of the research and stuff i've read it's mostly been like you should be careful about the people you choose to put in your coven and like being open to people coming and going but then like no other explanation uh they talk about it a lot they talk about it in in different stances and different ways uh, they talk. They even talk about how to turn people away from your coven, like if you if they're not a good fit or if they're not going to sort of like work well with your coven. Uh, they offer really like softening ways to sort of redirect the people. Like if you know another coven, they might work better with, or like give them help, give them resources, or like sort of help lead them to something that'll work better for them, rather than just being like, no, you can't join our coven. Um, they also talk about the size of a coven uh, they talk about the difference between like larger covens and small covens uh, they had a lot on larger covens about how if somebody sort of flakes out or or flakes out and or something comes up and they can't show up to a ritual how a lot of the times larger covens can sort of compensate for that but also then they have issues where if somebody does that consistently it can help burn out the members who are constantly covering for them and then there's it, it, there's not a there's not as strict a way to hold them accountable for not not being there when they say they will with smaller covens it's it's a lot harder because you've got less people and so you've got less people to cover the space and sometimes the ritual have to be put off uh but in a lot of cases their their stance was the accountability was higher because like if if something happens you know life happens but if you're just constantly saying oh i just can't come after saying you will uh, that that can lead to you know sort of reevaluating what's what works or not and sort of like not intentionally planning for that person not intent that's wrong word uh, like that person may not be given as as an important role in the future if if that's a continuous thing. Uh, they also talk about just. Uh, they say the traditional size limit for a coven is 13 people, but most large covens seem to max out at 9. And it mostly boils down to the logistics of getting people at the same place at the same time regularly. Which, being in a co podcast with three other people, so there are four of us total, I've got to say, I can't imagine trying to get 9 to 13 people together on a regular basis. Because there are four of us. And we cannot do that because life is so much. Um, which, of course, with and like they, they go into this too. It's your with your coven. You decide. You decide what's a good fit. You decide what's a good size. Uh, you decide what works for you, and you just sort of have to adapt to what you have. Um. Sorry, I hit one of my bookmarks and I'm trying to make sure I don't skip over. I should have actually highlighted things instead of just bookmarking them, but it's a little faster if I just bookmark the pages I specifically want to look at. They have a pretty, um, they, they have a lot of resources they suggest, and some of them are suggested readings, and some of them are resources they utilized. Um, I'm not strictly interested in all the books they talk about, but I am interested in some of them, and like, I like I like it when people are like, hey, check out these books, because then I can sort of be like, oh, well, that sounds cool. Uh, they do talk about inclusive, inclusive, inclusivity uh, a lot. They, they talk about specifically being inclusive and just sort of embracing, embracing difference and, and valuing people and just sort of acknowledging uh, what 
what they have and what they have to offer. Um, which I mean, their, their coven sort of built up around trying to be more inclusive and trying to work things out. Uh, they do, they do, they sort of, okay, sorry, they, they discussed earlier, which I skipped over how sometimes people, well, not sometimes, some people look at their, their information, how they go about things and say they're, they're just a branch of Wicca. Uh, they don't personally see their coven as a branch of Wicca specifically because where they've, they've changed a certain amount that they aren't really recognized by other Wicca groups as Wicca. Um, so they're not, they're not insulted if people think of what they're doing is very Wicca, uh, but they don't personally define themselves as that because they feel like it'd be rude for the people who don't agree. Um, it's like, oh, that hilariously, that was my next bookmark was going in specifically about that. Uh, with def- defining terms, I'm not going to go into all the terms they define, but they do de- they do take the time to define circle because that's a that's a big word. It's in the title. Uh, they both talk about uh, the the physical space that's been warded for a magical rite, which I think on this podcast we talk about a lot. Casting circles as you're doing work, sort of as um, I think we usually talk about it as a protective barrier. They talk about it more as like a specified space. So this is the space in which the ritual will happen, and it's been. It's been warded for that. Um, but also using it as... Uh, it Describing the entire ritual of creating that space, doing sacred work within it, and deconstructing it afterwards. So it's not just the space that you've cleared... Oh, no, that's right. The space you've cleared, uh, just specifically the space you're doing the ritual in, but also just, like, everything to do with the actual ritual itself. Um, and they do, they go through and define a lot of terms. I'm not going to go through a lot of them because I feel like that would probably get really boring for you guys to just listen to me talk about what somebody else is defining stuff as. Uh, and I really like, uh, another quote is act consciously in accordance with your own needs. Do what you must do in order to be at peace with yourself. No one can decide that for you so educate yourself and think and that's that's a big thing they talk about a lot is here's some stuff and here's how some people do it here's the suggestions we have this is how we do it but also you've got to really like work up your own understanding your own barriers your own what you need and what you want and you've got to you've got to utilize that and you've got to think it through and I like that I like I'm not sure how to say this it's not like they're removing their responsibility from the equation since they are bringing up a lot of things but like they're sort of pushing for people to not just settle for what what you're reading or what you're doing but or what somebody else is doing but work out what works for you and what you need um they also they talk about different things they talk about ritual tools um they also talk about needing and not needing ritual tools uh they've known people who don't like to work with ritual tools because they feel like they don't need them. Uh, they talk about different types of ritual tools and how you can utilize them. And I'm trying to think, I don't think it's the ritual. No, it isn't. Sorry. Some of the stuff they talk about is also sort of, uh, removing gender, uh, gender binary from like the associations with them by like introducing new things or new ideas or new ways of thinking about it. Uh, they had a really great discussion about, 
how they use the words how they use words like god and hunter um as non-gendered terms and they go they go into why uh, but they also talk about like they getting rid of the feminine of words isn't necessarily the best way to go about non-gendering terms because they still utilize things like goddess and huntress in certain situations and they definitely respect people's rights to use uh, the feminine version of words especially because there's there's a complicated idea behind removing the feminine words and then using the 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 typically masculine words as the non-gendered words uh with grammar and this mostly hits languages that that have gendered uh gendered terms uh german for instance has masculine feminine and oh fuck me (laughs) nominative no it's not nominative oh my god Sorry, I wasn't planning to discuss gender today. I know it's... Oh, fuck. I wonder if I can look it up on my phone while recording. About to find out. Sorry about this. It Date, not dative. Fuck me. So I'm thinking of all the wrong words. And it's really fucking bad of me. Uh, da 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 Neuter. I'm so fucking stupid. It's masculine, feminine, and neuter. Essentially, um, it's not that the words are necessarily themselves masculine, feminine, or non-gendered. It's, it's utilized in a way so that... Sorry, it's been a few years since I've actively studied German. Essentially, instead of... Um... Okay, so I don't know for every language uh, the reasons for gendered nouns. In German, it's because of the sentence structure. It's so you can know what the words apply to. Um, To a certain degree, you can sort of rearrange the sentence in German the way you can't in English. Um, And, like, to a certain degree. And, like, I am not an expert on this. I can't go into it fully, but I know for instance, like if you want to emphasize something in a sentence, you can put it first. Like say I want to emphasize the prepositional phrase in the sentence. I put that first. The second element's the verb because that's just how it fucking works. And then everything else falls based on how it falls. Um, Cause, cause there are still like rules, like where certain things go in a sentence, but you can rearrange it to a degree to add more emphasis to words. So the nouns are gendered so that you know which words apply to the nouns, like how the verb is conjugated helps you figure out which one's the subject of the sentence. Um, This was a very long aside that I was not prepared to do, as you can fucking tell. Um, So anyway, going back to this book. uh, But no, they they had an interesting discussion about it, and... And they do, they acknowledge that, like, just getting rid of feminine words is not the best way or the right way to go about creating sort of non-gendered words. Um, They also talk about, like, just different, I just really like how they introduce different ideas. Uh, They talk about using a ritual cup and, like, imbibing from the cup, but then sort of offering alternatives for what to do in different situations. For interest, for instance, <laughs> uh, using something like a pitcher and then individual cups. So people are all drinking from the same vessel, but you're not sharing germs. Um, if you're sick or if you're not comfortable imbibing from the same cup. 
uh, doing things like raising raising the cup, raising the glass, and moving on, or like kissing the glass. Uh, they also suggested both of those as like a way for if if alcohol is what's being imbibed, and you have somebody who is um, a recovering alcoholic or no longer drinking or does not drink for any sort of reason that's sort of an alternative so they don't they aren't excluded um and they're still participating um having not drank that's not true i oh no never mind i have definitely drank alcohol for a ritual so never mind i was gonna say i've never drank alcohol for a ritual that is a lie or was it oh fuck was it alcohol Sorry, a very, very long time ago, I remember definitely drinking... No, it was alcohol. It was alcohol with fruit in it. I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I say, I'm not sure why you, why you specifically have to use alcohol for, for a ritual. But never mind. I've definitely used alcohol in a ritual. As a lightweight and a person who regularly forgets to drink, um, I definitely would not go to alcohol as, like, an immediate thing unless it's part of something that we're already doing i guess um or if it's something somebody else brings up um so never mind i've definitely used they talk about it like as a a common thing just based on like past rituals and stuff like that very um very specific terminology coming from me because i already skipped past the the points i can't i don't want to go back and find it um this uh sorry i know i've got like at least two more things i want to talk about but i gotta find them first uh while i'm looking because i know i didn't bookmark it they talk about holidays they talk about uh they talk about the big witch holidays as a uh, sort of popularized by they say wicca and, and probably some other things as well uh they also talk about creating your own rituals uh holidays not rituals like yes create your own rituals but creating your own holidays like picking dates that are that are um special to you in your coven and doing things like that i think that's cool and they, they acknowledge that some people don't like to celebrate um the eight holidays they talk about because they don't they don't like wicker and they don't wicker wicca um and they don't like things like that but that sounds really shitty they don't they, they want to break free from that and do their own thing uh, they do also discuss, because one of the big things was they didn't like the officiating roles being very gendered. And they sort of talked about how they break it down. Because they break it down into three. Uh, the builder, the anchor, and the greeter. And basically you just, your your role in the ritual is based on which one you are fulfilling at that time. Um, so I finally figured out how to skip between my bookmarks so I can actually get to them. Uh, they also talked about, uh, pretty extensively, like, uh, fucking rites of passage, um, which, I'm gonna be a shitty person, I forgot rites of passage because exist, because I, I literally only see them, uh, in, in little things here and there, and I don't think I've extensively read about rites of passage since, fuck, since I was a kid and I got, uh, my little book of Scottish folklore, because it has a whole section on rites of passage. Um, and hilariously, some little spells in it. Um, not not like hilarious, like it's hilarious that a book of folklore would include spells. Because I feel like that's that's probably pretty common. Uh, pretty hilarious because a very Christian family member gave it to me. And I read it 
surrounded by very Christian family members. Uh, and it's not like a lot of spells. I think, fuck, I think the only one I can remember off the top of my head is uh, a spell to learn who your true love's going to be. Which I. No, I know. Sorry, I was like, I know I haven't done it. Has somebody I known done that? No, there's a there's an additional there's a there's a book I've read where some of the characters did that at some point because uh, it's pretty common. Um. Uh, they also in the book in in this book that I'm actually reviewing and not not that other book. Uh, they also talk about uh covens uh it it can be hard to find a coven especially if you're not in an area with an established coven and sort of trying to set one up it can also be hard to find sort of like a queer affirming coven uh they feel that not they feel uh they they sort of define the difference between queer affirming and queer friendly covens as queer affirming um that sort of deals with that what they deal with with uh dealing with working outside of binary language and sort of working with more queer theory and queer, um, well, queer affirming ideas. Uh, they said there's a lot of queer friendly coven- covens, which isn't bad, but a lot of them perpetuate the binary language and ritual practices found in Wicca, uh, which is what they they broke they're they're breaking away from. Um, let's get to that final one I have. Uh, what the fuck? Sorry, not not like what the fuck, like what what's happening, uh, what the fuck? Because I I went in to do something and then I just did the absolute opposite of what I should have done. Uh, they end with an appendix, which is energy work exercises, which is pretty cool. Uh, because they just they go into things like grounding, centering, and shielding, and then they they offer some exercises to work with them. Uh, the book as a whole is pretty fantastic. Um, like. I don't think I go into any of these these books thinking, oh, they're gonna suck. Um except except the one that I'd heard bad things about. Uh but like I really was so impressed. It's so in depth and it's so good and it's got like such a solid focus. Uh the And it's it's got so much about covens, which I am just not used to seeing. Um and I honestly was not expecting when I picked it up, which if I had remembered the description when I picked it up, I might have realized that better. But I have a bad habit of reading things and being like, yeah, that's something I like. And then losing all concept of what I've read except for, oh, yeah, I like that. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I mean, like if it if it sounds like something you're interested in, I definitely suggest picking it up. It's not it's not ch- it's not the cheapest, uh, but it's not the worst. Uh, I got a Kindle copy for about four ninety nine. Um, it's, it's really good. Um, let me just say it's really good like five more times. Uh, but thanks for listening. And I hope this, I hope, uh, I hope if, I hope you're interested. And if you're not, I understand. I hope you find something you are interested in. All right. And welcome back. This is Galena. I'm going to talk to you about something I just picked up the other day that's really interesting to me something I'm interested in looking into and going over. Uh, They are meditation beads or 
witches rosary beads or pagan prayer beads literally anything you want to call them you can call them that but they're shaped like a traditional catholic rosary in some aspects the number of beads depend on the type of witches beads you want uh, the one that i've picked up is based on a set of five and what that usually represents are the four physical elements and then the fifth element of spirit which you would find in the uh, the star which you most frequently would I don't know Wicca <laughs> you would identify with Wicca or or most witchcraft um, the one that I picked up has a pentacle at the charm point and where you would traditionally see a cross on a regular rosary there's a sun and the sun and a moon together which I really like because it matches a lot of the other stuff that we've picked up for our practice uh, we have a couple incense burners that have the sun and the moon on it and um, a lot of the deities that I like to either call upon or commune with are solar or lunar deities so I really like that mine has five different sections of ten beads which again could stand for the different uh, elements earth fire water air and spirit <laughs> I had to count them I'm an idiot um, but they can be used for all sorts of things um, it's kind of a form of a witch's ladder which I believe nettle covered earlier in the show um, where you can knot feathers and beads and different things to to work your intention um, this could be it doesn't necessarily have to be beaded uh, it could be a knotted cord or rope to count repetitions during spell or ritual um, there's several different types uh, like I said mine has the five groupings typically they come in groupings of three four or five on the lead-in um, and then on the main circle it can have groupings of six nine ten or really anything you want to do um, this is one that I've, I've seen online if you want to make your own somebody suggested for especially for witches or if you follow the wheel of the year uh, you can do the eight major sabbats as beads uh, you can either make those different colors or the same colors 13 beads to present the lunar months. Uh, they suggested a white bead or maybe even moonstone for those. Um, and then different beads symbolizing the elements of the different elements have a different color for each one. Uh, and then spacer beads in the color of your choice. Another one, if you're gonna dedicate it specifically to a different god or goddess, um, you would get beads that represent the deity or gods or goddesses of your tradition. Spacer beads in your preferred color. A lot of them that I've seen that are dedicated to, to Hecate have a key at the end, which is really neat. Um, another one you can do would be a maiden, uh, maiden Mother and Crone, which you can do with the triple moon and have a different color bead represent the maiden, the mother and the crone. Um, one I saw on that was as a maiden, you could do like a pale color for the mother maybe like a green color because she's very fertile and then as the crone a dark um, gray or black which I think is really neat or you could just do it in shades of from like white to black 
Um, another one I've seen in part of helping you meditate would be chakra beads. You could do it in the seven different colors of the chakras and then recite a mantra for each different section collar, which I really like the idea of that because chakras are something I've been working on <laughs> aligning. Um, how I'm planning to use mine is I'm going to use it to represent, you know, basically the elements as I spoke of. Um, I haven't found a mantra for each section yet that I want to represent each different element, but I'm going to use it to help me get better into the trance work I've been working up to. I've been doing a lot of meditation work and trance is kind of hard for me because it's, it's much different from meditation. Uh, meditation you usually either are planning on being blank or you have a set mindset. Trance, that can kind of go any which way you want it to. It's, it's usually not guided if it's a self-trance. Sometimes you can do guided trances, but it's one of those things where it can go real wild. And I think having something like a, a bead, beads to count, beads to kind of, you know, when you get to a certain point, that's when you start bringing yourself back. Something that you can, you can practice enough that you can bring yourself back down from. So I've been working on that and trying to figure out what I want to assign each, each different bead section to. Um, I'll post a picture of this. It's really cute. I picked it up from our favorite witch at the flea market. I've looked at it for, I don't know, a month or two now, a little bit longer. Lyra is here, by the way. She's probably not going to talk much, but she is here. She waves. Uh, she's still feeling pretty bad. Um, Sage and I talked about that in the intro that she's just not up to it today because she's got, she had a really severe strep throat. Uh, I thought she's gonna have to be hospitalized. <laughs> <laughs> I came down one morning and she had cold packs on her throat so she could breathe. And I was like, yep, we're going back to the doctor. <laughs> um, but no, this is something I'm really excited about. Um, mine is really pretty. It's mostly silver and black. And the sun and moon charm is in bronze, which matches all the other stuff that we have all of the incense burners we have one that's like a, a brass bronze uh, sun and moon incense uh, burner for cones um, our main incense burner we use when we use charcoal discs and loose incense is brass um, and then most of I think our incense holders that are wood have like brass inlaid and most of them have suns and moons on them so I mean I really like it um, but I think this is a very good practice. I'm excited to maybe even make some of my own because um, I like this one. Um, but the section bead, because each time you lead into a new section, because mine, like I was saying, it's in sets of 10. So you, you, know, you have 10 to count on, and then there's supposed to be a space and then a slightly larger bead so that when you're really focused, you can be like, okay, there's the big bead. Here's my next one. This one really doesn't have a different size bead for your lead into your next section. It just has several chain links. So if you're really, really deep in trance or into your work, you may not realize <laughs> that you've come to that unless you're paying attention to the beads or you're counting. So I like that. But I think if I start doing chakra work, I'm definitely going to build my own. 
and do the different colors of the chakra that of different colors of the that represent the different chakras uh lyra just popped the end off of her uh uh glow stick bracelet it's kind of funny i don't think she expected that sound <laughs> um but i don't really have a lot other information to say about this at this time i'm going to be doing some more research i just wanted to share it with you guys in case it's something that you're curious about or if you've seen the prayer beads either on the internet or in your local magic shop they're very gorgeous and if you do come from a background like a, a christian background or even a catholic background it might help you a little bit having some familiar familiar things because I, i've always loved the idea of a rosary and they're so gorgeous um, last time I went to Mexico, I think I bought four. I gave most of them to my mother <laughs> because she loves rosaries, even though she's not Catholic, but it's, they're just so pretty and so much time and intention work goes into making them. Uh, you know, no matter what religion you practice, or even if you want to say you want to repurpose an old rosary or say you find one, repurpose it for what you want, because whether or not it was meant for what you're practicing now a lot of intention went into setting each of these beads setting the spaces and just really really building it so it's it's gorgeous um, the idea behind them are gorgeous and a lot of times they just feel really good to hold I'm um, a lot of the things that I've read when I was getting ready for this art uh, article <laughs> a lot of articles that I read when I was getting ready for this segment I was talking about one of the witches said she loves uh, witches' rosaries that have a clasp on them because if she's going to enchant something that has like a hole that she can stick through it, like she said, if, if she's going to be doing like a protection ring or like a protection necklace or even a spell bottle, a lot of times what she'll do is she'll put it on the rosary, she'll clasp it, and then as she's going through and doing her repetitions and her prayer and meditation work, she leaves it on there that way it's blessed or it's charmed by that so that all that intention that she's been doing and all that concentration and focus gets imbued into the item and I really really like that idea um, so you know it's think about it if it's something that interests you definitely look into them um, if it's something that doesn't really interest you but you think it looks cool that's fine too um, but now this is something that I'm it came to me right as I was trying to get into a little bit deeper meditation and trance work. So I'm very happy about that because I, I, I do feel like a lot of times things will come to you as you need them or as you need a little push in the right direction. And, you know, just keep your mind open and keep your eyes open. Now, the section on rosaries, I think that's about all I have to say for right now. Um, we did want to talk about something that's kind of pressing to us is right now the rainforest, the Amazon rainforest covering several different countries. I don't remember each country that is currently involved. It is burning. It has been burning for over a month now. Um, you know, that's, that's where most of the oxygen for the world comes. That's where all of our carbon gets processed. Uh, the outlook is bleak. Uh, a few nights ago, Lyra and I lit a green candle and really sat outside and, and did our best to kind of meditate and send all of our, our energy to the rainforest and 
They were really hoping for the fires to be put out. Um, we're hoping for rains to sweep the continent and just help put out the, put out the fires. It's, kind of, it's hard to talk about to, to what's happening because there's not, other than donating, which I plan on doing, there's not really much we can do for it because unfortunately it was sanctioned by a lot of the governments in South America. So, just try to keep the people who live in those regions in your, in your mind and, you know, keep the rainforest in your mind. If you're planning on doing any intention work or any energy work, definitely direct that to the rainforest and hopefully before irrevocable damage is done, it'll be put out. But I think we're very quickly approaching that threshold. So let's let's keep the future of the world in in our sights and let's hope for the best. If you can, donate. If you can't, send all the energy you can. Did you have anything you wanted to add, Lyra? No? Okay. Her voice is still kind of raw. <laughs> But thank you, and we'll come back at you in the closing. All right. Well, thank you for sticking with us through that episode. Um, now at the closing, I kind of want to tell a little bit of a spooky story that's been going on around here. Um, I, as I've said on this show before, have a lot of strange dreams. Um, I had one a few week, week ago, weeks ago, I don't know, since the last show came out. Um, I had a dream where a very um, startling, well the first dream wasn't startling, it was just a little uncomfortable. I was at a an elderly Hispanic lady's house and, you know, she would speak broken English to me. And at this point, I don't remember a lot of elements of the dream, so I apologize. This might be a little rambling. But, you know, she kind of, like, sat down with me and wanted me to hug her and pet her hair. So I did that a little bit. And then I went to her bathroom. And instead of having a mirror, she had a rose quartz stone slab in place of the mirror with the word help, like, scrawled into it and, like, scratched into it in English and in Spanish. Which, the Spanish part where I don't speak Spanish... I thought it was just random letters. When I woke up, I was like, hmm, I'm going to Google those letters. It's help in Spanish. Kind of, kind of startled me. So I didn't know if maybe she needed help or if she was here to help me or what. So um, I did post on the Instagram that I was trying to tempt her back. I left her out some chips of rose quartz since she had a rose quartz mirror and that's where the message was scrawled. I put out a little bit of cocoa nibs or cacao nibs and some cinnamon because spirits do generally like cinnamon. Um, first night it didn't work, but I did call in a whole bunch of other spirits, talked to my dad who was seemed to be convinced that I was going to be coming into some money. And his idea was to buy a boat. 
And, you know, I told him, sorry, we can't buy a boat. If we come into money, we have bills to pay. We've got to put a new roof on the house. To that, he sighed a very exasperated sigh and just started erasing all of the figures he had on a, on a page. And he's like, well, do you need the whole roof or do you just need the porch re-roofed? I was like, no, 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 we need the entire roof. And he's just like, <sighs> and like scribbled out a whole bunch of other stuff and started writing down figures again. It... It was very, very, very closely a conversation I could have seen having with my dad. If, like, say he got a settlement or something, it was like, oh, I'm going to have a hundred grand to spend. I'm going to buy a big boat. Like, in the dream, he even had a brochure for the type of boat he wanted to get. And it was ridiculous. And I was like, we can't get this. And he's like, He was just so upset that we weren't going to get this boat that he wanted. And I told my mom about it. She's like, tell your dad he's dead. He doesn't need a boat. (laughs) Which was hilarious because my mom usually doesn't put much stock into anything that I do. As far as when I talk about my dreams about our dead relatives and stuff. She's like, you can tell him we're not buying a boat. And he's dead. He doesn't need a boat. It was really funny. (laughs) But um, the second night that I left the offering out, uh, the little lady did come back. Although I was in my dream, I was walking through our living room in front of the TV. My dad was there again. Uh, A few other people were there. I don't really recognize them. Kind of like I had a waiting room full. (laughs) My fault for putting out an offering, you know. Um, But... The lady came out of our kitchen at like bullet speed, hit me, and then started shrieking, to which I shrieked and I woke myself up screaming. So I haven't had any other experiences with her yet. Um, Bast decided that the offering needed to go all over the floor, so I had to clean that up. (laughs) Pieces of it are down behind my bookcase. Um, to which she also fell behind the bookcase when she knocked it everywhere. So I had to pull her out too. So I haven't tried again yet. Um, I'm probably going to do it a little bit more organized and maybe specifically do it. I I don't know what the lady's name is. Uh, In my mind, I've just been calling her Abuela because, you know, she speaks Spanish and she's elderly. So she's a grandmother. Um... But I don't know. Um, I haven't seen her again in my dreams. And it's been about a w- at least four or five days. I was going to say a week, but I don't know. But I haven't seen her because I've been sleeping downstairs. And Lyra's been in my bedroom since she's been sick. And we quarantined her. So it's kind of interesting. I wonder if she's had any dreams with her in it. None? Okay. Well, that's good. At least she's only only coming to me. Um, but I'll keep you guys updated. It's been a little, little creepy. Uh, the scale in our living room, which is a pressure scale, keeps coming on and off. Um, so I think Abuela is here. Because <laughs> a few other things have been happening. I don't remember what one of the other ones was. Um, there's something that keeps getting knocked down. I don't remember what it was. Mom, Mom's a little a little freaked out. She, uh, The TV also hasn't been staying on Cartoon Network. 
downstairs. It's been usually on the news, so it makes me wonder if Abuela wants to keep up with what Trump's doing, too. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to thank everyone, and, you know, as stated earlier, make sure you keep the rainforest in your thoughts and the people that live there in your thoughts. Uh, this is a disaster that I don't know that we've really seen the likes of before. It's going to have a major impact on climate change. Um, but, you know, keep them and the rest of the world in your thoughts. And let's hope for rain. But I don't believe we have anything else to talk about right now. No? Okay. Um, but I want to thank everybody for listening. You guys are fantastic. Uh, before I forget, um, I'm not going to give out every one of our socials because we rarely check them. Um, on Facebook, we're at we're Witch Witch Podcast uh, group. You can just type in Witch Witch Podcast and it'll come up. Uh, we actually have selected a moderator. Uh, she's doing a good job so far. Um, excited to have her on board. Um, our Instagram is witch, at Witch Witch Podcast. That is our most active one. So if you weren't really need to reach us or you want to talk to us or anything like that, um, reach us there. Uh, we also have a Twitter. We never check it. And we have a Gmail, uh, which is witchwitchpodcast at gmail.com. And as far as the non-binary, um, trans, LGBTQ um, episode coming up, i I'm just compiling information now. I haven't contacted back anybody yet. You'll be hearing from me in the next couple weeks because I want to get that that show stitched together. So if you still want to submit anything, we still you still have a little bit of time. Uh, but I want to thank you to everybody who's already responded. All of the stories that we've gotten so far have been very sweet and very touching. Um, and I'm excited to work them into a show. And I, like I said, I will be contacting you. But I just want to thank everybody for listening. You have a great night. I want you to stay spooky and keep your tits up.